Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. My name's Alan. I'm Josh. And here we are. It's a beautiful Sunday. Uh, the weather's been great today, man. Just a good service this morning, the Lord. I hope you can say the same uh, if you go somewhere else. Um, as always, get in church, go to church, all of the above. Man, we've cut, we've talked about that multiple times. Uh, I, I'm telling you right now, it's a time where um, the true, I, I guess the elect, you know, God's people, those who are on that small, you know, path, you know, there's straight a broad one, straight and narrow. Yeah. Man, it's time for, you know, those people to wake up and get active in the local church because, you know, it's like we were talking about before we got started, you know, right now, like we had Bible school last, last week and uh, we had one teenager, she's probably about 13 or 14, make a profession that she was saved. Um, and so we're doing follow-ups and stuff with that. And that's really encouraging. But, you know, even when you look at that, then you look at those who are Christians currently right now and how a lot of people are growing, man, in their faith and their knowledge and their lives, their decisions. I feel like, you know, every week I hear about someone who's taking a step further in their growth and they're maturing in the faith and Christ is using them boldly. Um, and, and man, that's encouraging right there. Yeah. Cause when you're yeah. in a position where you're able to pour into people weekly, whether it's middle scores, high scores, adults, women, men, children, and you see them take a step or you see God maturing them and seasoning them. That's just awesome because it's kind of like I had a guy tell me a, a few years ago, he said he had a front row seat to the best show ever. And what he was talking about was he was involved with a high school ministry and he recognized that it was, everything's about Christ. We've talked about that in here all, all the time. What he was saying is that he just does his part, but then when God does a work or God grows someone or God changes and saves someone, man, he's front seat, front row watching God do a work. And that's awesome. Yeah, amazing. So it's an encouraging time, and I think exhortation's great. But as we go into exhortation, um, I was telling the guys something that would be really good to talk about and pro- encourage people in, that listen to this podcast is about hospitality in the church. So when we think about, you know, hospitality, I think the best word, uh, a synonym, would be welcoming. You know, if we're supposed to be the church of the living God, you know, Christ our Lord, you know, even like through this window right now, you know, Christ ascended. I mean, we believe he's watching us. He's present everywhere. Bible teaches that. And through his spirit, he knows his people. And so, you know, if, if Christ was uh, in hospitality, you know, he was welcoming. He wanted to talk to sinners. He wanted to talk to saints. He wanted to talk to religious people. Then I think we as a church have a charge to be hospitable and welcoming to those who visit, but also those who are here. And so I kind of want to ask you guys to start to get the ball rolling right here. Why do you think hospitality and being welcoming in the church is so important? It's huge because when you talk about the concepts and God's word, and we we, we throw that lingo around a lot, you know, about the, being, being Bible system, to be friendly, you must, you know, to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. Uh, different uh, different concepts like that to prefer others above yourself and all kinds of precepts in God's Word that we talk about and we try to explain. But the subject matter itself is more than just a, a topic for Sunday school uh, dialogue. It's principles that help God's people be separate and to be that salt and light and, and help us to be a peculiar people when you put it to work and you were talking about it earlier in the intro and when, when uh, the true born again believers are on that straight and narrow really believe god's word and they start practicing it in their life and some of the things that we talk about in here 
man alive is just it's it's that something that's a savory sacrifice yeah. in the nostrils of god and uh being hospitable is something that is irreplaceable especially when you talk about sincere yeah. hospitality because uh i'll pull a pin on this grenade and we'll talk about it for a little while but if you walk into a church that you're not familiar you know no say you're just passing through the area maybe you're on vacation or whatever the the, the scenario might be and you walk into that fellowship and the hospitality is not genuine and i can tell it in a heartbeat yeah. that's that's something that god enables you to do is to be sincerely hospitable and welcoming to folks and let, make them feel at home it either happens or it doesn't yeah and that's something that god gives you to be able to do to to make folks say well i'm among my people i'm among, I'm among god's people yeah and uh, it's, it's a genuine authentic characteristic that's very unique very recognizable and the counterfeit is very <laughs> recognizable too you can tell when somebody's being phony yeah and they're not sincere yeah uh, we're glad to see you well, no, like, you're, no, you're not glad to see me. I can tell you, you're glad to see me. That's the phoniest, you know what I'm saying? But that's, um, it, it starts in our own heart, though. Yeah. You know, yes. I mean, when we're truly converted and we turn our life over to Christ, we truly are glad to see them because there's only two situations. They're either lost and undone, and we have an opportunity to witness and to embrace them, and we don't know the struggles that they're coming through. And if we generally are concerned or generally interested in their story, and like you were saying, you know, genuinely to do it looks a lot different than a facade. And either that or they're a brother and sister in Christ. And we can rejoice in that exactly. moment, you know. So, but the thing is, is that there is the, uh, so like I says, with it starting in our heart, when we see guests, visitors, and people come along, it, it, we should have that desire to engage with them because a lot of the times i mean if you go into a congregation and there is not that welcoming spirit you know there's there's there is churches out there that don't want growth yeah they don't want change and and, and this is one thing that really impacted me and i share a lot of my personal stepping stones (laughs) in my sanctification process where things really like we talked about uh the last podcast about our study habits and how that uh I really was impacted to read God's word with that little analogy of the book signing. So one of the things that really impacted me about hospitality is, uh, and again, not to call names or, or embarrass folks, but there was a, a person mentioned to me one time just in conversation, and it, it struck home with me. If you don't care enough about me to learn my name, or at least tempt, even if you get it wrong for a, you know, right. four or five. I don't you're care if you call me the wrong thing. Yes, you're calling me by something. Dude. That's okay. At least you're putting effort in. If if I don't have enough interest in you to at least try to learn your name, yeah. <laughs> I don't care a whole lot about you. And that's that's how actions speak louder than words. And even in memory and names are some of my worst areas. But God's showed to me I need to put effort into that. So, and again, when you have people come and you have people go, it, it was, it's real easy. And, again, I'm not bragging about my shortcomings, but it's real easy just to say, eh. But to that individual, if somebody they don't know 
goes up to them and asks them, hey, what's your name? Right. And then later call them by name or at least yeah. attempt to call them. <laughs> yeah. Even if you call them by the wrong name, yes. go ahead and correct me. And I'll get it right sooner or later. But right. to, to, to have to invest in trying to establish that relationship is yeah. to be being hospitable. Well, that's the thing, like, too, though, with a second-time visitor or second time you enter, you know, you see somebody, you know, that engagement, you know, like you said, even if they called you by the wrong name, but that engagement, you know, they're showing the interest, they're showing that excitement, the for, you know, to to reengage with you. That's that's key. It, and some people are truly blessed with the gift of hospitality, like, you know, with, with being able to, like, like, I mean, they'll make you feel comfortable, welcome in any situation or form. And here's the deal, uh, not to cut you off, but here's the deal. How many people are going into a church searching? Maybe they're yeah. spiritually yeah, in, broken. A, in, they're a broken. Place, yes. in, a, in a place of need. They have nothing or they, you know, they're like, nobody gets along with me. And the place is full of cold and indifferent Christians that could care less why you're there. Dry um, pieces of wood. M- yeah. More or less have enough uh, self-motivation or initiative to Tomb go to, to try to initiate a conversation with you or learn your name. Good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I agree with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <laughs> it might be a little harsh, but you never know what a, a, a handshake, a smile, yeah. and a few kind words can do to a person who's in a, a in a dark place in their life. Yes. Needing some support will do. Well, and I was going to say, too, like, I mean, like, the you know, the old song, you know, I thank God for the lighthouse, I owe my life, you know, talking about Christ. But then you hear the old phrase, you know, the light, the light on the hill, you know. So, I mean, people refer to God's meeting place, where God's people are, as yeah. a light. And if you think about the the image of a lighthouse, you know, it, it's to help boats and I'm to really help, want, pe- you know, help yeah. people come in. I'm wanting to sing that little song. Right and, uh... <laughs> But, hide under bushel no no i'm gonna let it shine but that's but I, i'm just thinking like you know if, if a light is something that's used to draw people in and we represent the light of christ then like we should be affectionate to others yeah like i mean it, it's even like you know i've talked about people in my life lost people in my life like i've been able to be around and not because of me but because of christ in me you know i've been able to help them and leave you know a, a fragrance around them to say you know oh well you know, Christians really aren't as bad as I thought they were right. because old, you know, Joe at the place down the road, man, he told me I was going to hell and I was awful and this and this. And that's just like, that's not the fragrance that we're supposed to put off. Now, is that the truth we do share? Absolutely. You know, if you're not going to put your faith in Christ, you're going to hell. But it's not my place to try to condemn somebody no. to hell yeah. because that's not my task. That's not my goal. You know, when you get into like John three seventeen, at that point, Jesus even says like, I haven't come to condemn the world, but the world will be saved through me. Now, obviously, judgment is in his hands one of these days, and people will com- be condemned, not because God's not fair, but because of the sin that they chose to stay in. But that's where I'm going to say this. I'm going to pass it to Alan. It's like, you know, if people are coming here, and man, I'm, I'm not going to use this out of context, but it's an image I have. You know, if you got a bunch of dry bones, kind of like, you know, what Ezekiel went through, and I, I don't want to spiritualize this whatsoever. But if you're in a, a place that's dry because people are not putting their hearts first, like Josh said, it, it starts at home first in the heart. If they're not taking care of themselves spiritually and they're not doing what they're supposed to do and a dryness comes over the church... 
then uh, you get to the point where Christians will come by and be like, whoa, this place needs some revival. You know, this place needs some help. But it might be that you have lost people come in and be like, I thought the church was supposed to be better than this, like yeah. more welcoming. These people are like dry and broken. Now, I'm not, I'm just speaking stereotypically because not every church is like that. But, you know, I've had some opportunities to go into some churches where there are good people. Do not get me wrong, good people. But, you know, it's kind of like the story of the pastor who disguised himself as a homeless man of the new church he was going into. And he went in and no one talked to him. And then when it was time for the preacher to stand up, well, he took them homeless clothes off, got in the pulpit, and started preaching on being hospitable towards Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. outsiders. And that congregation heard the truth that day. And I say all that to say this is like, we should be willing to be, I mean, uh, one of the recommend, not recommendations, a characteristic of a deacon and a pastor is to be, especially a pastor, is hospitable. So if our bishop, our pastor, is supposed to be the one who will open his arms, you know, welcome people in, well, he's just setting an example and following an example that Christ set, which ultimately Paul told the congregations, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we all have that charge that we need to be opening and welcoming to people. So uh, our pastor said it in the message today, well, said it from the pulpit today, uh, as appropriate as you can say it, the Holy Spirit always points to Christ. So when we're talking about spiritual gifts, whatever they may be, uh, being in submission and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit is paramount. It's it's important. Uh, whether it's hospita- <clears throat> hospitality, excuse me, hospitality, or whether it's uh, any of the other spiritual gifts. But, uh, you know, if it's a case where we're uh, sharing that information that, yes, lost people do spend eternity in hell when they die without Christ, following the Holy Spirit needs to be important. And there need to be a, a bow-beating, yeah. intimidation tactic. But even when Christ revealed those truths, those heavenly mysteries... He did it in a way that it was welcoming to people. And the Holy Spirit will absolutely create that environment. And us following that in a relationship, then it's received yeah. in a manner where it's information that stimulates thought and, I, I, and not resistance. Yeah. And I've been to you know, a couple churches where... You know, even now when I, you know, like tonight, you know, Grant's dad, he pastors. And I'll, I'll go down that church, and there's this, uh, an older guy there. Man, every time I come through the doors, he's one of the first people to come talk to me. So, like, there's facilities out there, churches out there, where, like, there's that one person that, man, it's like if they're, they're the whole welcome team all together. They'll hit every person that walks in. And it's encouraging to meet people because, one, they're happy you're there, and two, you know, I know we talk a lot about, you know, how people respond to the gospel and things, but we have to, like, people are uncomfortable sometimes going into new places. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes, you know, people may not be extroverts. Maybe they're not talkers. And so the fact that someone will make a step to go speak to someone, and, you know, it's like for me, there's sometimes I talk to new people. Man, we might talk for five minutes. We might know somebody, right? Maybe I talk to them, and it's like we've been brothers in Christ or sister, brother and sister in Christ for like years. But then there's sometimes where I meet somebody, and it's just a brief, you know, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Let me get this door for you. That's enough right there to help someone feel more comfortable. And going off the lines of this, like we have to understand that Christ was probably the most hospitable person, like very welcoming. And I know a lot of people could take that the wrong way. You know, a lot of people talk about when Jesus went and hung out with sinners. You know, he reclined at the table. Like, he wasn't there to participate in their sin. 
He didn't go there to party or become their best friend. Yeah, Christ went there with one intention, and that was the hopes that they would become his followers. Pure. And I know people that use that text to talk about, you know, Jesus' life of the party, Jesus' and this and this, and that's just not doctrinal or biblical whatsoever. But one thing is true, Jesus was there. And so the fact that he would go to such a place that, in the same text, the Jews were like, why is he hanging out with them? Why is he with those people? And the disciples at some some point. Remember when they're with Jesus with the Samaritan woman, and they're kind of like, what's he doing with her? He's welcoming. He's, hospitality is literally running through his body. Why? He's 100% God. And that's the thing is when you look at the characteristics of God, man, he's always welcomed people in that will be obedient and surrender and follow his ways. He's never been like, you know, uh, if someone comes to him, he's not just going to reject them. I mean, he's a, he's a God that welcomes. But the thing is, is you've kind of, one, you've got to surrender your sins. Two, you've got to surrender your opinions and your ways, and you've got to submit to his ways. And that's where a lot of people kind of get God's picture messed up because everybody talks about how God is love and God is welcoming. God will love you no matter who you are. I mean, God does love you, but we have to understand, I think our pastor said it a couple Sundays ago, the God who is 100% love is still 100% wrath. I mean, when judgment or things happen in the Old Testament, that was God. That wasn't anybody else. And so we have to understand that God does have open arms. God does have welcoming arms, but I'll tell you this, he's not going to welcome someone in that's going to choose sin over him. Because the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. That goes both ways. And so, you know, this mainstream church that's like, you know, you can be a homosexual. You can go sleep with people. You can be a drunk. Don't worry. Keep living the way you want to live, and God will still love you. Yeah, that's 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 hypocritical, really. That, I mean, that's a... Uh, I said this word a couple weeks ago, and I went and looked it up after. A false dichotomy, right? You got two things that are contradicting. And that's... Two things that are contradicting. The mainstream church is like, you know, you can live in sin and do sin and God will still love you. But then the God of the Bible is like, turn away, repent of your sins and come and follow me. Right. Jesus said the person that's on the plow and they look backwards. Yeah, they're unfit to serve or be in the kingdom of God. And he's talking about people that will go back to the sinful lifestyles that they indulge in. And so at some point when we embrace uh, hospitality, we've got to be opening to people. We've got to be able to welcome them. A drunkard could walk in the church tonight. Someone that's living in sin, any sin tonight could walk in the doors. And we're going to welcome them exactly. and, and share the gospel. To. We have to. How, do you, how else do you communicate with that person? But you've got to be biblical. Then right. the communication comes after that. Yeah. After that hospitality is started and we let them know our intent is that we're concerned and that we're uh, interested in them and it's a genuine concern, then the communication can happen. And then the listening can be because that's that uh, you God's using us as his instrument. That is all about us following yeah. the Holy Spirit, being sensitive and, yeah. and leading into that hospitality to where the person yeah. can trust and open up to us as individuals. And then the information that we give them yeah. can be uh, seasoned with the Holy yeah. Spirit. Go ahead, so that's Josh. What, um, our, so our faith is, as believers, our faith, our hope, and everything is in Christ. Yeah. So when the you know the hospita- the hospitality that we offer and share with people is that of Christ. The thing about it is, is if we when we are in any situation, whether it be in corporate worship or it be at our workplace or it be in a line at a grocery store, any interaction that we have with a person, we should show hospitality. Yeah. We should show welcoming. You know, if we're in a situation that is unpleasant, you know, I mean, we've all been in a situation that either at work or something where a situation. 
if we don't show hospitality and we put ourselves first and foremost around those around us, immediately we are showing ourselves in our colors of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. But if we can represent Christ in that moment and show them that what we live for and our hope is in, and it's the same with when we witness. I mean, yes, you know, I've heard a lot of guys out there through either via, you know, videos or audio, or even have visually seen sometimes when they witness, they almost berate and they beat down and brow bash the person that they're witnessing to. Mm -mm. And I'm like, I'm like, man, you missed it. Yeah. Because where is the hope in that? There is none. Yep. You have to show them Christ. Yes, you have to acknowledge their sin. And we we as Christians and we as believers need to quit calling it and making excuses. The world makes excuses for sin. It's not, you know, they don't say, well, it's not adultery. I'm just testing the waters. No, it's adultery. You know, like Hunter said, the word is drunkard. It's not, he's not an alcoholic with an, no, it's not. He's a drunkard. The Bible is clear on that. That is the sinful action. Yeah. And when we start acknowledging sin as sin, but we don't just leave them there in the sinful state. We show them Christ, which is the hope. Yeah. And that's the key to it, yep. is that when we address it, we address the problem with the sin. It's the same as raising a child. It really is. You know, you, you, you don't just punish the child and be like, because I'm dad and I'm punishing you. No. You show the problem. You address the problem. And then you show them the the, the example yeah. to come out of it. Yeah. And that hope that it is is in Christ. Yeah. You know, so you expo- show them the sin, expose them to their sin, because they don't know. Yeah. Some of them truly don't. Yeah. They say, well, I didn't know that that was. You know, you know. well, my friend's an alcoholic. Everybody, no. everybody I'm around is the same way as I am. Well, you know what yeah. And if they're, they're used to that kind yeah. of a circle of influence, yes. it, it's, it, it, well, it takes what, somebody who yeah. is concerned about them as an individual to be committed enough to get involved in their life and not affected by their decisions but to share the good news with them and and that's where like it's not that we're trying to compromise to welcome people because we want them to know that we are people too like christianity is not a cult like we're not some like brainwashed society that no it's an individual salvation god gets a hold of me the same salvation, but I'm in a different place in life than Josh and you are, Alan. So God saved me differently. But it, 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 we're not some, you know, freak show that some people believe, you know, these Jesus freaks and this. It's like, no, the reason we're hospital, you know, we do hospitality is because one, we want people to understand we're people too. You know, if the Bible says that you're sexual, immoral, okay, well then if I've done it in my life, then I am too. It's just I've been forgiven because I've been saved yes. by Christ. Yep. That's still what I am. If the law, listen, if the law has condemned this body of flesh, it's condemned. I'm going to die. One day, you know, I'm going to go be with the Lord, and I'm not going to be in this body anymore. And that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, we're all people. We're equal with you. We're all guilty at the foot of the cross. You breathe, I breathe. You put your clothes on the same way I do, but I don't embrace that and compromise. So say, you know, oh, yeah, well, I go out and drink on Saturdays, too, and come to church. Why don't you come be a part of us? We'll do it all together. No, where we take the stance to be different is we're like, yeah, I was a drunkard too. Yep. But because Christ has saved me and changed me, there's a spirit living within me that is referred to in John 4 as a spring, I mean, exploding up. And because that spirit lives within me, I'm a new creature and a new man in Christ. And so I'm not going to compromise anymore into sin. I'm going to try to stay away from it. And our hope and our goal and our task is to keep those people around long enough 
Not offend them or run them off, but keep them around long enough to where the gospel can start saturating their life. They can start understanding the concepts. Just like, that's that's some deep stuff to somebody who's all their friends act the same way so, they do. So they don't go to church. They don't expose to the gospel on a regular basis. So, they don't study it. So let me let me let me propose a question to you all and our listeners. You know, I've worked with teenagers for a while. Um, thank God, glory be to God, Christ alone is the only reason that's happened. So why do you think majority of parents want to send their kids to church or to go hang out and be under a pastor or to go work at a camp or go experience something? Because the hospitality that we share exactly. because of Christ is affection. It's a, it, I mean, it, it's it, a safe environment. And again, there's not not judging all parents by the same, you know, uh, measure. But uh, there are parents out there who think, well, here's a good babysitter for me while I can go do my thing. Uh, it, that's fine. We'll take your kids. We'll, we'll pour our hearts into them. We'll try our best to teach them God's word. But in the same note, those parents also need yeah. the same teaching, the same instruction, yes. the, yeah. the same, yes. need the same structure around their life. Because you know, uh, the the battle's not against yeah. parents. It's not against people who don't bring their kids to church. The battle's against yeah. good and evil. Yes. And, and and the God that we serve is the God of love. He's and, also and, that God of wrath. Like, and, and keep them folks yeah. around long enough them to understand that now, this is, that's a huge stumbling block for some folks that it, aren't in church and aren't a, a, but it know, pours related to a, a body that gets exposed yeah. to the gospel yeah. they struggle with how does god love some folks and some folks you see suffer if you hang around the church long enough and you study god's mm. word long enough yep. you start understanding these concepts of boy i love him and i serve him with my whole heart not because i'm scared to death of him but there's a reverence there what's reverence it's a, godly, it's, a godly, yeah. it's a godly respect because I know that wrathful side of him and I've seen it. Yeah. And I understand that I'm one of his and I yeah. can't just live any way I want to live. I have to live my word in, in, a, in, a, in a heartfelt pursuit uh, by the best of my understanding of his word the yeah. way he expects me to. And it's like, uh, Josh, do you have something? Well, I was Go just, ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, the one thing is, is that saying like tough love, sometimes it's hard to hear the things. That we, we we really don't want to hear it. Yeah. But we as believers, followers of Christ, we do not need to crawfish one bit when we are asked a direct question. So if somebody asks us a direct question, we have to answer it. And we have we have the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> answer it directly with the Bible. Yeah. So they they're gonna get mad. And, and that's okay. Yeah. But the thing about it is if we give them the truth and just the truth, this is what the word of God says. This is not what Josh said, Hunter said, Alan, this is just this is what the word of God says. Let them chew on yeah. it. Because the thing about it is if we crawfish any just to be, you know, to keep a relationship or to keep a friendship and we crawfish and be like, well, I don't know. We, I think it could be. No. If they ask us a blunt question and it's direct. Let's answer it with a blunt answer yeah. and direct. Not of our answer, yeah. though. It has to be out of the word of God, because like, you know, and that's the one thing I love, because like pastor will get up there and preach different sermons and messages and stuff. And I'm like, and I'm thankful. Yeah. You know, but it is, he's, he's given us the word of God, but there's so many people and pastors and people in positions of teaching that are scared to preach on certain subjects. And it's nothing because of they're worried about the the crawfishing Mm -hmm. because they're not wanting to get any type of repercussion. But the thing about it is, is if you share the truth, the truth of the word of God is what's going to change a person. When, when they come down to conviction, it's going to be because of the word of God, not because of what I said, or you said, or any of us. Yep. And, and that's the thing. When we share, we have to make sure that yeah. we're standing firmly on the word. It's like, you know, I was going to say, I had a conversation with a teenage girl once. And, uh, you know, 
she made the comment, you know, she believed in Jesus, she believed in God, but she didn't know if she was saved and all these things. And she's like, but I still like read, I still want to learn. And it's kind of like I made a comment to her and I said, you know, uh, even people who aren't Christians still try to base the lifestyle off godly values and teachings. And I mean, that's just a hundred percent true. I mean, a lot of the laws of the land are biblically stance. I was looking for another word. That's what they stem from. That's what I'm saying. The parents that send their kids to church and don't come themselves understand the value in good ethics and good morality. But the, but the good living, and it's like I kind of told her, you know, the good living's not what gets us to heaven. No. It's Christ. And so, you know, we encouraged her and exhorted her and tried to share, you know, hopefully that she'd be encouraged and would seek God for the assurance in her salvation that she's seeking. But it's kind of like that phrase just came up in my mind where I made a comment that, you know, even lost people base a lot of their living off godly values and standards. And the reason I say that is to say this is, man, that's just the hospitality that the Bible presents itself yep. and how Christians, like, it's like I, I've been around people before that are lost, and uh, they they still are. But, man, the season that I was able to be in their lives, they conformed to a lot of things the Bible said. It's almost like the seed. The seed fell, and then something took place, and then they went away. But the best times of their lives was when they were being affected by the gospel and the yeah. word. And that's what I'm saying is when you get people around Christians, it's going to change a lot in their lives. Hopefully it changes them to the point that Christ is their savior. And it's no more about, it's almost like the woman in Samaria, you know, the people ended up saying, you know, we don't just believe this because of her testimony. We believe because we've seen it ourselves, yep. Christ. Yep. But I'm telling you, the gospel, the affection that comes off the Bible, it has an effect on lost people. I mean, it's even like, you know, when you start looking, like when you study out, uh, like, the Old Testament, right? Even when Israel was not in God's will, they still did things, right? They still lived a certain way that their fathers had taught them, and it was because of the standard. that was in st- And that's what I think yes. a lot of people don't understand is it's almost like, you know, when you get in that section where it said, you know, he the Gentiles, you know, they, and I can't remember the specific scripture, but it's in Romans, where it talks about that, you know, at one point they did the things in the Old Testament that the Jews did. And it's not because of anything the Jews had to offer, because they were just as disobedient as the Gentiles were, but it's the affection and the hospitality that came off the laws of God that was attracted to yep. them, and they wanted to live like that and be. And so that's where I'm saying this is, man, when we are... When we present hospitality or we're welcoming, Josh hit on the head, it's really not us. It's Christ. Because the work we read about in the New Testament is the work that he is doing now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I was going to say this too, because when you come into the the contact with hospitality and even exhortation, there are times that people ask straight-up questions. It's like I worked at a place once. The two questions I got was, what is your view on drinking and what is your view with a girlfriend and boyfriend living together? So... They knew how I stood, and I I knew some of it was a little bit of a test because they wanted to get me, you know, riled up. And so I asked him a question. I said, what's your view? So they answered, and I said, are you sure you want to ask me this? Because you know what my answer is getting ready to be. And they're like, yeah, tell us. So, you know, the biggest thing is they're like, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. And I said, okay, I get that. You're right. I said, have you ever been drunk? Well, it got quiet. And I said, okay, well, if your answer is yes, you should not drink, period. Because obviously that has affected you, that it's become a stumbling block, and it's a sin in your life that you need to give to Christ and let him redeem you from it. Straight up, that's scripture, right? Out of control. 
Now, did I say it perfectly? Did I say it just like that? Was it a hard convert? Absolutely. I, I mean, they were a little confused. I think they were a little hurt. But not because of me, but because I told them, I was like, listen, it, this isn't my opinion. I've just studied this in Scripture. Well, then the conversation came up about boys and girls living together. And I, they're like, well, the Bible doesn't specifically say that. And same thing. I said, well, technically you're right. I said, but have you ever lusted after them in your heart? Better yet, have you ever had sex with them? Have you ever done anything? Why you've... Well, it gets quiet. Okay, now there's sin. There's a stumbling block in your life that you need to remove. So that's what I was saying. Even though the Bible may not specifically say those words, there's enough in Scripture that teaches us you shouldn't be around either because once it becomes a stumbling block in your life and you cause yourself to sin, but also you might affect your neighbor or the lost person that sees that and they're like, man, I thought you were a Christian. We have now done a disgrace to the gospel. Now, everyone who's listening to this, man, those two subjects, you need to study that for yourself because if you'll come if you'll study the word of god and you'll see the outcomes of participating in two categories such as those you will understand there's more loss than there is gain i pray that you'll come to the same conclusion i did because i challenged people on those before before i got in the word myself but it's kind of like this you know if we're potentially doing something that could cost the gospel or cost someone leaving or cost giving a bad testimony to someone in the in the community or a best friend or a family member man we should really reconsider if it's worth it because a lot of people say well i understand the what ifs but it's not going to happen we're really private you know or we're really strict man it takes it took one mess up in the garden for sin to enter into the world and it's going to take one mess up for someone to absolutely get christianity uh, like a bad taste in their mouth and i say that to say all of this when we want to be hospitable towards the community, whether they're believers or they're lost, or we want to be welcoming to the people, whether they're lost or they're saved, it happens in the building and outside the building. But I think this, the biggest effect that you will have on a person is when you live the gospel out in your own life. Actions are louder than words, right? And so when Christ says, you love me, keep my commandments, everybody said they loved Jesus back then. Judas probably even said it at once. But what did Judas do? He betrayed Christ. And so if we really want to be uh, effective, right? This is just Hunter. If we really want to be effective in the way that we uh, talk to lost people or we talk to visiting people that are coming to visit our church, man, make sure your heart's right, right there. Josh said it at the get-go. When your heart is where it needs to be, you can't help it but let the love of Christ pour out of you. I I mean, it's even like, you know, there was a week where, you know, I had to repent of some mistakes I made that week. But man, when I finally, when I laid those at the Lord's feet and confessed, I was full of joy. Do you know what happened? Right? Usually, you know, I I love talking to people. Sometimes I get nervous in public. Sometimes I get nervous in front of, I mean, we all have things that we stumble over sometimes. But man, we went to the Domino's. I was picking up some pizzas, and I was like, what's up, man? You know, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing good. Man, we started, I was telling him, you know, where I went to church. We started talking about all sorts of stuff. But, man, what I realized is when I left is because I left the church house, the meeting, with my heart cleansed and repented up, Christ was able to use me in a capacity because, what, my heart's prepared for that opportunity, right? So there's a mandate there. When you go into this hospitality mode, you have to open yourself up. You have to open you're re- yourself. You're not. You ha- there, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no. There's no such thing right. as, uh, uh, you know, that that stiff arm approach and making somebody understand that you are fully committed and interested in them. If you, you so you got to open yourself up. The Bible is clear when it comes to uh, those that are in that passionate pursuit of Him uh, to abstain from the very appearance of, of evil and, and and things that we talked about. The the, the the two categories you mentioned, things like that. 
the longer you stay in, the longer you study, the longer you learn, you, you, some of these things start making sense. Man, there is no good in that. How There's, can you? How, I, I, yeah. I have to cut that away from my life. And, mm-hmm. and the battle, the, the topic may be different. You know, it may not be those. It may be two other ones. It could be, be something some, else. Something completely different. But that process where God's grooming and pruning things out of your life, replacing them with, uh, with holy, uh, godly uh, characteristics are what we need to be in, in pursuit of to be effective. I mean, you know, that what's it? First Corinthians like 14, where it talks about all the gifts. If you do all these, but you don't have love, then it's, yeah, fr- it's 13. Yeah, Man, it's good. 13. Good so that's where I'm just, I'll say this, like the, the root of hospitality should be the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. Pure, pure and simple. Because you want to have an effect on someone, even though you don't have the knowledge of the word, maybe you're still new into it. Love them. I, I'm telling you, even when they're like, but you don't understand what I've done. Love them. Covers a multitude of sin, the Bible says. Yeah. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, when people hear about my life and they hear about what Christ has done, or maybe, you know, maybe they're like, why are you so happy? Why do you do this? Man, you know, you've changed a lot since high school. You've changed a lot since this. Yeah. It's kind of like this. It's like, man, let me tell you what the Lord's done yes. in the yeah. last yes. five years. And but, you, might, you might be listening and saying, man, I can't do that because I've done this or I've done that and I'm not, I can't do this. Man, alive, you'd be surprised with the right motives, with that love in your heart. How God can use just sincerity and honesty. Hey, it's like the sister, uh, Brian Ballsinger's wife. Yeah. You know, this morning. Well, she, I bless my heart now. This morning, she felt led to share her testimony, what God's done for her through the deaths that have happened, the time she's been out of church. And I'm like, man, that, that was good. Not because of what she said, but because what Christ has done in our life. And she doesn't realize, she has no clue. I've talked to people this week that are struggling right now because... Death could be in their family, and they don't know how to deal with it. I mean, they're tore up, and I'm trying to counsel them. I'm trying to encourage them and, you know, point them to Christ, and then she gets up there, and she's like, I realize the only person I need is God. Man, that's encouragement to keep counseling those yes. people. Yeah. And so why, the reason we talk about hospitality is because, man, when you look at exhortation, that's in it. I, I mean, that's just the core of it. And, and I'll read this. We've got a definition. Romans 12, 8, uh, that's where you get the word exhortation. Uh, I know I've done a poor job of kind of citing the scriptures, what we've been talking about uh, the last couple of weeks, so I want to make sure any of that. Romans 12, 8, and it says this, uh, or the one who exhorts in the works of exhortation uh, to the one who gives with generosity, right? So basically that gift, uh, that characteristic that is given to some Christians, exhortation, exhorting people, it's right here. And I didn't write the whole definition down, but I put enough that we could understand and get a grip. And it says to console, to encourage and strengthen by consolation, to comfort. So really everything we've talked about right there is that definition, consoling people, encouraging, strengthening them. Uh, comforting them and, and you know to do well to someone and that's like you know I used this example a few weeks ago and this is just an example in my life we all here's the thing that I, I realized on the way over here there are so many opportunities and areas that people can use the spiritual gift of exhortation and one of the areas that I thoroughly guys thoroughly love and I've talked about it in here is on Sunday mornings being able to leave class a little bit early and go open the doors and welcome people to the chapel. I love doing that. I love asking people how they're doing. I love getting their names, trying my best to recognize who's who. When guests come in and they have questions, I love being able to say, you know, well, here's so-and-so. Or, here, let me show you around and show you. I love doing that. But that's an opportunity God's given me to use the spiritual gift of exhortation to console, encourage, strengthen by consolation or comfort. So let's talk about some other scenarios. A pastor. A pastor exhorts us every Sunday. He's trying to con- encourage us and console us, even when it's a point of rebuking sin. 
yeah. or preaching against yeah. a certain topic that God has given him. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's drunkenness. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's religion. I, I mean, you you name it. He is exhorting and encouraging us to what? Look at what the Bible says. Surrender to it and turn to Christ. He's compelling everybody in the sanctuary, whether one person's doing it or a hundred doing it, right? But also, he's seen it in his own life. So, so that's the, a good definition to contrast between the, a popular opinion of what exhortation could mean in some people's mind is making folks feel better. It's ooh. not making you feel better about yourself. It's not self-esteem. Yeah, it's not about it's you. Not. It's not <laughs> about us at all. It's about go, Christ. Go ahead. Come honey. on. I mean, oh, man. So this you movement, right? Uh, when I got into some studies, I had to teach a class once on, uh, I think it's like First John chapter 4, Test in the Spirit. So you got to study out false teaching at that point. Uh, but, man, when I got into the you movement, you know, and I'll, I'll throw some names out. If you listen to Stephen Furtick, you've been exposed to the you movement. It's all about you. You're the best version of you. God wants you to be you, you, you. It's like Matt Chandler was invited to a revival once. And I think I sent it to you a while ago. And he literally stands up. He's like, it's not about you. He's like, you're not David. Goliath's not your life battle. Quit putting yourself in the Bible and just read it and let it affect your life. And I'm sitting there like, amen. It's it's the you movement. Yep. And so when people stand up and they want to build you up and butter you up, can I just say something? That's the tickling of the ear, is it not? Scripture yeah, talks about people is. want people want to be told that they're awesome. Listen, when you know uh, my fiance Haley or one of my friends in Christ, if someone comes to me and they have an encouraging word and they're like, brother, you know, I like those shoes, right? Or man, you did great. Or man, you you know, you've been so nice. Thank you for that. That is encouraging to the person. Yeah. But man, if we base our whole Christian experience off wanting to be uplifted by one person and being told that I'm the best version of me, we're deceiving ourselves because here's the thing. When Satan was in the garden, what was it about? It was about him. Yep. He didn't care about Adam and Adam yep. or Eve. He wanted to be higher than God. And so what does he do? He created a, a false perception with Adam and Eve that, hey, it's about you. Yeah. So now that we see that this message has crept inside the church, now, do we examine ourselves? Absolutely. Are we responding? But we have to understand, church time is not for someone to upbuild us. Church time is to exalt the name of Christ exactly and pray right. that he'll draw all men unto him, exactly right. all women unto him and so when alan talks about this feel good movement i refer to it as the you movement we've got to be careful absolutely because just because someone's in the pulpit saying you're awesome god loves you he doesn't care about what you did last night just come in that's not exhortation and what we wanted to do right here was just draw that line in the sand because we want you to understand the tactic that satan used in the garden was flattery yes here's what, here's what i can do i can i can make you as smart as god I can make you know everything he knows. <laughs> I got you I a tip. You, I can make you tell the difference between good. And he knows that's why you don't want you eating that fruit. Yeah. It's flattery. It's all smoke and mirrors. So when it comes to exhortation, uh, we want to make sure we encourage folks to get active in the edification of the name of Christ. Yes. And the upbuilding of the local body, not of individuals. Because encouragement, people only people define the word encouragement with only good things. But if... Someone come to me and said, Hunter, you hurt my feelings the other day. I really want to encourage you to apologize. That's exhortation. Yep. They're exhorting me, trying to yep. lift me up to say, hey, you've done wrong. You should fix it. Or like, you know, uh, when you have to regain a brother, right? Like, yep. let's say, you know, uh, a pastor and his deacons have a deacon that's been out and they haven't seen it. Do, do they not, Alan, go and try to encourage a brother to come back? That's at, exhortation. At three in the morning, knocking on a man's door, trying to uh, resolve a dispute. You know what? When I left there, 
I was exalted in God because I seen two brothers that were at each other verbally and almost physically apologize and and in Christ understand that whatever we disagreed about is meaningless when we compare that to the goal and the mission that God's left us here to accomplish. And uh, yes, absolutely, Hunter. So, that that is exhortation. So, and let me I'm going to ask this to Josh. To move to a place of usefulness. Yeah. I'm going to ask this to Josh. So Josh, you know, when the the Pharisees came and said, you know, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? And he's like, love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And then Jesus says, second, love people, right? Love others. So Josh, when we look at exhortation and we see that it's encouraging and then Christ literally tells us that we need to love others how we want to be loved. How important is it, right? If we want to be encouraged, that we need to encourage other people. How I mean, how, when it comes to ministry, because you know, uh, and Josh, you're involved with our teenagers. You help with the jail. You do so. Exhortation in the ministries you're involved in. Why and how is that so important? It's key. It's key because um, to truly to get involved in one's life, you have to join them in life, and you have to uplift them and show them Christ. Amen. And. The greatest example I can think of is Paul and Timothy. That was him exhorting, yep. you know, exhortation. And I mean, the thing about it is, is we can keep it at a shallow if we want, and then we can mm. go as deep as we want. Mm. Because if we truly are investing in their lives, we will become one and walk alongside them. Yep. I mean, the struggles that people encounter, and if somebody's truly going through something and you're there, you know, I mean, it's one thing we can say to each other and be like, hey, brother, I'll pray for you. But are we truly, I mean, this is just some questions I'm proposing out there. And this is for myself, too. Are we truly getting on our knees and praying for them and lifting them up? Are we making those phone calls the day after and checking on them and saying, hey, brother, I know you've been struggling. How's it going? You know, can I pray specifically for you? Mm. Can I lift you up? Can I help you? Can I come alongside you? If we know they have an addiction and their addiction time hits the hardest at 530 when they get off work, mm. are we saying, brother, I'll be in the parking lot waiting for you yeah. because I'm not going to allow this temptation to step between you and your faith? Yeah. Mm. Are we truly showing the love of Christ? Because I, I truly believe that if we are showing the love of Christ and we are setting ourselves apart, it's no longer about us. Yeah, It's, it's about doing his work. Not. And, and that's why I think the exhortation is is a key. And Josh, you said this phrase, and I wrote it down right here, shallow. But I had an exhortation at the end of it. So shallow exhortation, man, that, that's a phrase. And I think it kind of goes in with that example of, you know, if your brother, let's say, his worst time's at 530 when he gets off work. So you have an opportunity to go in depth. I'll, I'll say this. You want to get involved in someone's life, take time out of your own and put it into theirs. That's what Josh is saying. Because exactly. if you show up at 530... You're you're lessening and you're wanting them to increase. You're really wanting to carry your brother's burdens. And that's like, you know, even with teenagers, you know, I you know, they got parents, they got things they gotta do, but man, my favorite experiences are the ones that God has allowed me to take time out of my life and put it into theirs. Not for me, but for the sake of to exalt the name of Christ. But Josh, when you said shallow, so well obviously I think like an ankle deep pool. Man, there's a difference between someone who takes time to go help a brother out and then someone who just stays in ankle-deep water and says, I'll pray for you, be fine. Mm -hmm. It's like, I forget the specific example in Scripture. Uh, I believe it, you know, um, if you just tell a brother, you know, go, you know, I can't remember what it was, uh, you be know, full. go be full, but yeah. then after you don't really do anything about it, yeah. that's shallow exhortation. Yeah. <laughs> 
and I, I think this, that's a self-reflect. If you're listening to this and even us in this room, it's kind of like I told Grant today. You know, one thing that God reminded me of today during our service is I need to do better at being vocal with our guests. Like, you know, I get nervous around new people sometimes. I can talk to a wall, but sometimes, you know, I get nervous. And I told Grant, I was like, I was really reminded by the Lord today that every Sunday I need to make it priority before service starts to really go talk to these guests yeah, and make yeah. them feel welcome. But here's the thing. So if I don't do that next week, or let's say, you know, oh, hey, brother, from a distance, and I really don't take time out to get in depth by getting to know that person or talking to them consistently every Sunday, I'm in shallow exhortation. And I think that's something that needs to be encouraged and exhorted about because we all have an opportunity to get deeper. It's like that song, you know, I think Ty them singing every now and then, you know, Spirit lead me, or, you know, deeper waters, all this stuff. And, you know, basically the image of that is that we would pray that God would pull us from the shallow end to the deeper end, whether it be study, you know, whatever. And, and I'm looking at that, you know, it, it would be a good time right now for people to step out of a shallow exhorting position and really take time to exhort. And, I mean, you got to show up at your brother's place or whoever it is, your brother in Christ at 530, your sister in Christ, you know, if you got to call him. And really help them move through something or pray with them through something or this or this or, you know, even getting on your knees and interceding for them. Man, really do that because you're taking a step out of the shallow end. And if we want to be effective, we need to let the world know that we're not a shallow Christian. I mean, really, if people just view Christianity as a bunch of people who stay on their end of the pool. And I mean, how many people have you heard come in church and say, you know, I went to this church one time and I didn't feel welcome. They told me I was going to hell and they kicked me out. Dude, I've heard that so that people I'll say, well, I won't say it like that. I'll say it like this. People that run people off from church for no reason, yeah, they they need to like go out the back door and not come back in because when you hurt someone, whether they're lost or saved, you, God doesn't forget that. No. It's like, you know, Jesus said, it'd be better for someone to tie a millstone around their neck and be thrown in the water than to offend a little one, right? God takes that stuff very seriously. And so, man, if people would truly, if someone says they're a Christian, but yet they're never welcoming, they're never exhorting, you know, they're never encouraging, they're never loving, they're never this, I'm questioning because literally, right? Love is something that comes from the Spirit, but, you know, uh, you know, the ultimate love that Christ showed on the cross, yeah. that's in me, brother. Yeah. And I should love people. Yeah. And sometimes I'll say this. There are a lot of people in this world that are very hard to love, very hard to be hospitable towards, very hard to exhort. But that's where it comes back down to it. Man, it's not about me and you. Why, why are we doing it? It's not yeah. about... Yeah. Why, 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 why am I even interested? Come on. Why do I care? It's not in me to care. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 uh, some people are. And here's the thing about it. Are they, do I know them well enough to know their mannerisms? No. I mean, I've used his name a lot. Orville Orr uh, was a deacon at this church back in the late age, early 90s, and uh, was the chairman of the deacons when they approached me about being a deacon. And uh, Orville was one of those gruff, bass, I'm talking about his voice would fill a room up. He could tell you he loved you and sound like he was biting your head off. You know what I'm saying? But there's one thing about the man. He had the love of God in him. And he wasn't a touchy-feely, huggy type of person. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't that guy. 
And if you were unfamiliar with who he was, you might get that opinion of, well, he's a, a hateful old man. But the, nothing could be farther from the truth because uh, one thing I know, I've, I've seen him uh, in the position where he lifted other folks up. And uh, when this church was down to just a handful and he was the only deacon, been very easy for them to shut the doors and say, you know what, there's no use in trying. But because of strong leadership and, and, and the fact that they persevered and, and depended on God, uh, this church is still open and God's still blessing. And there was a young lady saved last week. The Bible talks about there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels in heaven. Yep. I'm sure he knew about what happened last week. And, you know, I know that, you know, everybody's not ha- has the same measure in a gift. Maybe some do, some don't. You know, it's even like we're going to World Changers this summer, and I'm a crew encourager. I love encouraging people, and I'm excited to do that. But also, that's a challenging position because you're the one that gets to lead groups to house, to house, to house, to knock, and tell people while we're there, ask them if we can pray for them, and ultimately share the love of Christ. Puts you in an uncomfortable position because not only do you have to do it, but you have to lead teenagers and adults to do that in some scenarios. So I'm excited. But here's the thing. When you look at a position to encourage people, can everybody do that? Is everybody called to do that? No. That's okay. But it's kind of like what we talked about last week. You know, not everybody's a Sunday school teacher, but do you have an opportunity to teach one person in your life about Christ? Absolutely. Come on now. You have an effect on someone. God's going to use you. And so I say that to say this with exhortation. We all have someone in our lives that we could exhort and encourage to look more unto Christ. And when you're listening to this, I hope that person comes to your mind. Maybe a group of people come to your mind. Maybe your pastor, maybe your Sunday school teacher, and your whole class comes to your mind. Amen. I'm, I'm so excited. Um, but here's the challenge. Let's truly exhort people biblically and point them to Christ. Make them feel welcome, right? Don't buy them. Man, don't get into that buying stuff. I don't like any of that. You know, here's a new card. Come be a member in our church. Yeah, that's just not that's not biblical exhortation. Um, but first thirty entries get a free gift card. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a gas card. Yeah, a gas card and a free T-shirt. I mean, we we love that stuff. But like, you know, we don't buy people. We exhort them. We encourage them. And I hope you guys feel encouraged. Listen, if you got to share a hard word with a brother or sister in Christ, and you have to exhort them. Do it out of love, because if you do it out of hatred, as Josh said, you know, if you're witnessing to somebody and you just belittle them, man, if they can't find hope in your voice, your tone of voice and what you're saying, how in the world are they going to find hope in Christ? And here's the thing. I've heard some people tell others they're going to hell, but it's the most happy, encouraging way I've ever heard it. Why? Because... When you come to someone and say, brother, sister, listen, if you don't repent of what you're doing and you here, take the big words out. Let's take the big words out. If you don't put if you don't believe in Jesus and tell him that you're doing wrong, you're going to hell. But there's hope. Right? That word but right there. Then to. they translate and they're like, but there's hope yep. for you. Right? If you come to someone out of love, they will be shocked. Listen, when God gets a hold of someone, yeah, you're in fear. When you're before a holy God, you're like Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips. Help me, you know. (laughs) Cleanse me, you know. I can't do this. Let me fall before you, right? But man, the way you pray about it, 
the way you prepare about it, the way your heart condition is before you go into that conversation is going to have a lot to do with how you reflect Christ in that moment. Yep. And ultimately, it's Christ in me. But here's the thing. There's some. There's been times in my life where I'm not where I need to be. Right? Maybe I had a sin in my life. Maybe I'm having an argument with somebody. Maybe I'm not focused. Right? And then all of a sudden, a person comes up, and what happens? There's an opportunity, and you know what happened? I handled it the wrong way. I did. I wasn't able to exhort my brother, and I had to go back and apologize. But if my heart would have been ready and in the right place constantly, in and out of season, I probably would have handled that a little bit better. Or more importantly. I would have been in a position where Christ could have used me. And you, are, you might be thinking, Hunter, are you saying if there's sin in our life, Christ can't use us? Christ can do whatever he wants. He's Lord of all. But I will say this. If your heart's not ready, if your heart's not prepared, if you have sin in your life, man, it makes things a lot tougher. That's a huge topic right there. I mean, how many opportunities do we have today? How many do we miss and don't even recognize? I mean, the the fact that God has got you in that relationship, in that process and on that potter's wheel and he's shaping you and molding you <laughs> and, yeah. and developing you into what he wants you to be uh that's encouraging because the fact that god still breaks my heart over missed opportunities and i recognized it too late well now i know there's work that needs to be done and there's repenting that needs to happen yeah. and there's studying that needs to take place i need to be ready come I need on to be man. ready need to be ready, ready to give a defense exactly as right. peter said and we're not saying that you need to go out and buy you know shorts t-shirt shoes and a headband and it all says god's not dead we're not telling you to like start doing that to make so everybody knows you're a christian what did he tell the hey what did he tell the pharisees he's like it's not about the outside of the play no or the cup it's, I, some it's, reason i've got all but, these sunday school songs in my head for some reason <laughs> like which ones he's still working on me make me what i ought to be took him just a week to make the moon and the stars the sun and the earth jupiter and mars how loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me I've never heard that. You've never heard that song? I was like a... I, they taught me that in Sunday school when I was a wee little tyke. Well, back I must... In the, back in the 70s. I must say... <laughs> I must have not been living right, or maybe yeah. they, they were... I remember like, a, you know, the the father Abraham and many sons. You know, yeah. everybody's yeah. singing it. I think one man referred to it as Christian robots. They're just over there like singing all these songs, and everybody's like, what are they singing? You know? <laughs> uh, I, so that's the songs I remember, Alan. I've never heard that one. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That I, I, I mean... When you when you get discouraged and you think what's the use, understand, he's not give up on us. Sure. He's still mm. molding and fashioning and making us. Hey, he'll never leave us nor That's forsake right. us to make me what I ought to be. Woo! Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun, the earth, and Jupiter, and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. You know, it's like this morning we were singing in worship, and uh, this is just a lot of. I've heard this from different places. I heard uh, uh, John MacArthur he preached a sermon uh, this last week about shunning sin in your memory. Wow, it's pretty intense. But ultimately, he was just making the comment. He said, you know, if one day we're going to live sinless, then why in the world do we not pursue that now? Yep. I was like, amen. And he said, uh, and then he started talking about persecution. He's like, we need to seek the Lord. We need to do this. And he said, if someone kills you, you should say thank you. And I was like, what? This man's nuts. He wasn't meaning literally. He was just saying that when your life's taken or it's your time's up, you need to be thankful because you're getting ready to in, enter into a sinless life. And it's like this morning. We were worshiping, and I'm never asking for someone for death to come. I, I want to do ministry. I want to live life. You know, I, I want to have kids. All those things that young people desire, uh, biblically, not unbiblically. Uh, but you know, I was sitting there thinking during our worship, uh, like that song. You know, the light of that city. 
and on that day we will sing holy holy and, man i was just sitting there thinking lord man if you came right now that'd be something and, and I, I i'm so thankful that even though i haven't i've made mistakes i've had doubts i've had questions that he as the bible says he's our sustainer man that's true I mean, I've been reading through the Psalms this week. Uh, Brother Jake Evans, who's been on here, he'll be back. He said something about Psalm 73 last week about how Asaph sat back and watched all the rich people prosper in their wickedness. And I went and read that. And then I read the next one. And then I read the next one. And I just started reading all these Psalms. And it's almost like Asaph, you know, where are the times they were crying for deliverance? Absolutely. He told Israel at one point that they needed to teach their children what God had said, the commandments, so they wouldn't end up like their father's fathers. And what I got out of that is, man, God does not quit. Like you just said, man, he he did all that stuff in a week, and here I am, right? What is my life? What is life? Vapor, right? Mm-hmm. But when I read these Psalms, I'm just so encouraged because Asaph was like, praise God, Man, he's here for us. He's he's for us. Let, let's do this. Let's praise God. He's going to deliver us. And God worked with Asaph and was with Asaph his whole life, just like David, Abraham, Jacob, Moses. And here we are in the New Testament church, and the Bible's telling me that anyone can be saved. Yeah. And God will stay with me. Amen. I'm thankful for that today. Yeah, okay. I, I'm so thankful for that because, like, if there was one person I would have quit on, this guy right here would have quit way early. Because it's kind of like our pastor talked about this morning. The world might look at us as we're worthless and we're not worth anything. You know, it's like, you know, when I was in elementary school, I'll never forget this because it it, it, it hurt me. You know, I wasn't the best student and uh, I had a teacher refer to me as stupid. And he put me in the corner of the class because he felt like I was not adequate enough to be in his room. And I sat back there. Was I well behaved? No. But he told me in class one day that I was so stupid that I would not qualify as anything in life except a guy who flipped burgers at a fast food restaurant. And let me tell you, my mom found out about that. It was on. <laughs> I'll say that. But that stuck with me. And do you know what? I haven't accomplished a lot of things in life. But because Christ lives in me, he has done things. He has took me to places that I never thought I would be yeah. because of him. And that's where I'm saying, where I'm at in my life, you know, I'm not a burger flipper. If that's what God wants me to do, so be it. But I'm just so thankful that we serve a God that when the world rules someone out, the least, right? He's like, nah, I'm going to take 12 fishermen I'm gonna, and some a, a tax collector. Yeah, they're going to turn the world on its head. Yeah. Watch this. And I'm so happy we serve a God that does not quit on us. But as you said, out the clay, man, he molds it. Yep. He makes it, right? Yep. And then ultimately, guess what? One day, yeah, I'm going to be glorified yep. forever, yep. for eternity. That's exactly and that's right. awesome. And so, um, guys, do y'all have anything else? Man, this is just this has been so encouraging. God bless. God bless. God bless. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Peace out.